0: Welcome to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur's show with me, Brenda Hector. I'm a business growth specialist helping business owners to develop themselves and grow their businesses so they can achieve their goals and enjoy the lifestyle they dream of. I'm also on a mission to revolutionise the entrepreneurial landscape for women in business. In every podcast episode, I interview someone who has an inspiring story or some great advice for women aiming to start or scale their businesses. If you're new to the show, take a moment to subscribe and please check out the previous ones after listening to this. We've got an awesome community on Facebook. Just search for Scale Her Up and join in. I have Frida Newton from Jacobite Cruises on the show today. Frida's the owner and managing director of Jacobite Cruises on Loch Ness. She bought the business in 2002 and turned it around to now a year round operating tourist attraction with 300,000 passengers a year. Frida's a real champion for the tourism industry in Scotland and also the entrepreneurial landscape in the the Highland and Islands region of Scotland. Frida, welcome to Scale Her Up. Let's just start at the beginning. Just tell us how how you got into business. Um,
1: Well, I think it probably goes way back and I, I guess it goes into that sort of are entrepreneurs born or bred? Which I think was, is a commonly asked question. Um, or not born or bred or born or, or raised I think it is. And I was brought up with a family um, who were all in business and all had their own businesses. I was the youngest of four and there was 18 years between my brother and I and 12 years between my nearest sister. So they all had their own businesses. My father and mother had started uh, their business on being demobbed from the army, um, or from the RAF, sorry, and um, they used their their demob money. Uh, my father bought a car, did it up, started taxis, then went into um, cars. So actually, my father was a car dealer, going on. But he actually died when I was eleven years old. Um, And I think that had a a major um, impact, as you can imagine, um, on what I thought I was going to do. But um, sitting around the the dining table with the family, it was always, well, you're going to be in business. um, And that was just the way it was going to be. I didn't think there was an option that you went and worked for somebody. That was just going to be what I was going to do.
0: Those were the role Um, models that you were exposed to. um,
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I have to say, therefore, it was always thought that I would study business, Um, and I'm not uh, on reflection thinking that that was necessarily the best thing to do, so I went to Napier, uh, which was then College of Commerce and uh, and Technology, turned down Strathclyde, which uh, many of my uh, contemporaries thought was mad um, because I wanted to go to Edinburgh and not Glasgow and uh, studied business and uh, so I did a degree in, in business studies at uh, Napier um, and probably learnt more on the life skills than uh, which I think nowadays people are, are obviously missing out on with, with Covid but it was more about the life skills necessarily than the, the learning and felt that it was a jack of all trades and master of none And when my own son came to study, I told him not to do it. But as most children uh, heed their parents, he did exactly what he wanted and uh, went off to study business in Manchester. So, uh, you know, as they say, never listen to your parents. Um, So, yeah, so that was where where I went with with my education.
0: Okay, and then from from education into into a, a business owner role, what was the route there?
1: Well, if we're being totally honest here, I probably married the boss. Um, was was the um, answer to that one? Um, my family, my brother, was involved in the coaching industry and in buses and at one time had the biggest um, fleet in Scotland, biggest coach fleet in Scotland. So I went and worked for uh, basically a competitor after my brother sold out to the Scottish bus group and then married into Sandy Rapson, then divorced, uh, went to work as the managing director at Scottish CityLink for National Express coaches um, and thoroughly enjoyed that. But then they had to sell uh, Scottish City Link because they got the ScotRail franchise. And I never forget the Chief Executive at the time telling me that he would never sell an owned business for a loaned business again because obviously they they owned Scottish City Link and uh, ScotRail was just a franchise for a period of time and so I think that was something that they actually regretted doing. So from there, I went back to work for my then ex-husband, and after four years of, I told him he had to, if I was going to go back and work for him, he had to leave me alone to to run the business. And at that time, we had the coaching business um, turning over about five million pounds on school contract work. But you can imagine being in that sort of relationship that uh, there was always a case that interfering didn't come easily to to uh, somebody who'd built up their own business and uh, yes. the after one year after he started to interfere more and more and i started to look more and more uh, for another business that i might start up myself or might purchase or or some way out of the situation um that i was in so that actually started or the the seed was sown in some respects with my sister on a holiday in um gada. In Egypt and uh, we set out on a boat trip and on that boat trip it was a, a, a very arabesque um, vessel that we, we got on it was a floor-to-ceiling floor carpets and um, it had gold taps and uh, she said to me wouldn't it be wonderful to have a boat like this on Loch Ness um, and I sort of did the sums in my head and there was about 40 people on board and they were paying £20 per person. And you're talking about maybe 25 years ago. And uh, it was for an hour. And I thought, well, this isn't a bad way of of making money, sort of £800 an hour. And so the the seeds were sown. In the meantime, I'd sort of looked at franchises and I always believed that you wanted to do something that you enjoyed doing. So, you know, as, as a typical woman, I enjoyed shopping. So it was like, would I have a clothes shop or a shoe shop or what kind of business would I look to having? Antiques was another um, sort of thing that I like to to look at and buy, going to the auctions. And one day um, I just thought about the the Jacobite cruise boats on Loch Ness. I, well I knew that the owner was uh, due to retire he was about he was 59 I think when I approached him but I didn't know did he have children that he might want to pass the business on to and I remember sitting in my office feeling um quite scared um of picking up the phone I would have been about 30 at the time and uh, scared of picking up the phone to somebody I didn't know and asking them if they wanted to sell their business and I think that's a common Thing
0: that happens yeah no i think i think that's great It's really ballsy really to to do that to approach somebody and to to have come from having lots of ideas and 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 gone along that route what what advice would you have to someone who because i've been there as well i knew that i wanted to have my own business and i i never quite had the right idea like you you know go, what kind of shop what kind of business and and things like that so what would you say to someone that's that's at that stage and waiting for the idea and I've been there I've been on holiday watching things on holiday going I wonder if you could do that at home so yeah what would you what would you say to someone that's at that stage just now
1: Well, I think it is very much. I mean, I I love reading sort of, I did, we did some psychology and sociology, you know, as part of the degree and and I love reading psychological books or, you know, things about how people operate and and what they think and feel. And um, so I'm, I'm quite interested in that. And feel the fear and do it anyway is kind of one of the phrases and it's a, it's a book I think that, that's quite good to read as well. It's kind of saying, well, it doesn't actually matter yeah. what step you take because it'll always be the right step because you can always take a left step. And as long as you learn from it, I think that's the main main thing to do. And what was the worst thing that was gonna happen when I picked up that phone and asked the question about uh, whether uh, Rod He was going to sell his business? The answer could be no so what was so bad if that happened but so so it is and a little bit of nerves are probably quite good because i think it makes you conscious of what you're you're doing so i think it's kind of embrace that part of it but i do remember being incredibly scared which when i look at back on it seems incredibly stupid because as i say there was nothing that he could have said to me that that would have changed if the answer had been negative and of course it wasn't negative it was positive so that kind of endorsed the fact that i'd done it you know so so the first step you know the the worst thing that can happen is somebody says no so so yeah so i picked up the phone and the he basically said come and see me um and as they say the rest is is history I bought a company that was turning over about 300,000 in 2002 and basically, and and I'd thought I would manage to buy it, it probably took about a year to to purchase because we were linked with Scottish Canals and and all the paperwork wasn't in in there and I'd hoped to purchase it in the autumn and that I would change everything and revolutionise it, and then it would start again in the spring. So that would have been 2001 into 2002. But fortunately, that didn't happen. The paperwork wasn't in order, and I didn't purchase it until March. So I therefore had to run it the way it would have been run before, and I think that was a an even, you know, very fortuitous, because I wouldn't be changing things that I didn't actually know how they worked in the first place. So I think it was it was good that I got to sit in the business for a full summer season before making um, any changes. And it was a funny thing in, in making the changes to see what the business could or couldn't do because to me, almost everything I did was, I would say, just common sense. I thought it was common sense just to um, like you that you would wouldn't want instant coffee served that you wouldn't want warm beer that you would want fridges on board the the boats, so at the time Jacobite Cruises had two vessels. Um, I think we had um, about five or six staff, and then obviously the seasonals um, came in. But to me, the, the immediate things, again, when I, the, the day that I bought the company, I went down to meet the staff and here they were putting concrete screed on the, the, the deck of the boat and I just thought, and it was absolutely chucking it down and I thought, what have I done? And, uh, you know, uh, fortunately things things worked out and we, we got wooden flooring put down on the deck of the boat and we put double glazing in, as I say, just things that I thought were, were common sense. And I say the coffee, putting a coffee, a proper coffee machine on and just putting fridges and and things like that to make the experience for the visitor, you know, completely different and and just walking it as as the customer experience. So I have to say that that Jacobite, through sort of a a combination of marketing and and just business development, um, grew and grew and grew and, you know, that was was great. And we, we probably got to about... Three million pounds turnover, and suddenly it went flat. And I thought, well, why, why has it gone flat? You know, what, what's happened here? You know, it, was, it just kept growing, and uh, so I thought we had to do something uh, different. And again, and I, I'm not sure if I want anyone from Visit Scotland or uh, to to listen to this, but Visit Scotland uh, do international trips, and they were doing an international trip to Australia um, and New Zealand. And I thought, well, I've never been to Australia and New Zealand, so this is a really good idea that I can go to Australia and New Zealand and get the company to pay for it, all on the back of Visit Scotland. <laughs> and if something comes off it, then great. And if it doesn't, well, I've had a trip to Australia. So um, I set off to Australia and was absolutely gobsmacked at the potential. And the consumer base that was out there for Scotland, and a lot of the time it was a case that a lot of these tour companies were were passing Loch Ness, they weren't actually stopping. They would put in their brochure, you know, we're passing Loch Ness, and I compared Loch Ness to kind of um, the Eiffel Tower or uh, Ayers rock or the sydney opera house um, down there that, that that's what people go to see you know that's if they've been to australia they want to think that they've seen the the iconic spots yes. Um, and that Loch Ness after probably Edinburgh Castle is that iconic spot and that they should be taking advantage of that in their own marketing to tell people to come here and and that they will get to not just drive past Loch Ness but actually get to um, experience it. So that was kind of, uh, they did actually send me back uh, a lot of those companies to their bases in London because they had offices in London but that trip paid for itself tenfold and of course on the back of that I then went to the US um, with Visit Scotland and Visit Britain and Asia and started to promote the company and, and again we, we had another sort of surge in, in growth so again I guess it was a case of well if you don't go and try going to Australia you know you're not going to know what what would happen then so that's, yeah. that's very much um, where we came to the one of the issues I've had, um, sort of around Loch Ness, is that we don't all the land around Loch Ness. It's it's very steep. It's it's um, on the geographical fault, so there's not a lot of land um, on the shores of Loch Ness. Just basically the road and hills, and therefore what land there is 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 quite precious. And we've only ever managed to basically lease um, land in which to develop. So last year, um, well, I suppose this last year was my third successful attempt um, at building a visitor centre on the shores of Loch Ness. We're actually at Dochgarach on the shores or on the edge of the Caledonian Canal rather than on Loch Ness itself, but uh, literally a, a stone's throw away from the loch. Um, and we opened a new visitor centre um, ticketing office for the boats along with a cafe and a, a retail outlet which is something that we always wanted to do so that we could have the visitor experience, you know, holistic visitor experience before they, they get on the, the boats. Uh-huh. So, so, yeah, so that's where we've, we've come from.
0: So you've got the shop now that you talked about right at the beginning. Of your journey, what 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 business would you run?
1: <laughs> Indeed, um, although possibly, yeah, and I, I'm doing that that ill-fated thing that the only things that I like go in the shop. So, and everyone tells me that's not how it should work, but it's it's not doing too badly at the moment. So we'll we'll, we'll continue, continue in that being for a little while longer.
0: Good, good. So one of my questions is what was the pivotal moment, but I'm I'm thinking maybe you've told me about that already, your trip to Australia.
1: Yeah, that that certainly took us to the next stage. Um I mean we were at six million turnover at the end of twenty like the nineteen twenty year and to, to March twenty. And three, over 300,000 passengers compared to when I took over the business, which was sort of, I said, 300,000 uh, turnover and sort of 30,000 passengers. So it, the business has come a long way, but I guess a lot of it has been, I feel organic. And I'm probably like a lot of people that are called entrepreneurs, I'm not necessarily that comfortable with the name because I just thought all I did was buy a business and do what was common sense. And, you know, when you hear somebody like sort of Brian Souter or Richard Branson, you know, as an entrepreneur, then I feel I'm sort of well away from that that, um, glory, shall we say
0: really interesting you should say that because while I've been on this journey you know creating the the podcast lots of the women that I talk to go oh I don't really think of myself as an entrepreneur oh I I don't use the term businesswoman to describe me there there's a a real modesty I think around a lot of businesswomen and I'm not sure if it's a If it's just a a woman thing, or if it's across the board, uh, that maybe a bit of research that I'm going to do there to see if people really see themselves as entrepreneurs. But, um, what, um, what, what do you think has been your biggest challenge and how have you overcome it?
1: The biggest challenge I think was, was trying to get, it was getting planning permission. Getting um, for the development, as I say, it was the third time. It was the third place that I tried to get planning permission uh, for. The first one, we didn't get planning permission for. The second one, we got the planning permission and we had 52 conditions attached to the planning. So that was a real hard nut to, to crack. So we didn't go ahead with this one, that one which is why um, the new development. So I think it's, it's a lot of red tape. And I think there's a lot of people who I personally feel don't want to see businesses succeed. I think it's quite a Scottish thing. You talked about, you know, modest, modesty being in females. But I wonder, is it a, quite a cultural thing? Whether it's a Scottish female cultural issue, whether it's just a Scotland-wide cultural issue i th- i think there's also that thing that that people don't necessarily like success so there's also the point well if you're if you are successful then you don't want to be seen as successful and uh, you know you, you i just find that the whole planning process and and getting the development approved was was very difficult that that was probably my biggest Challenge. So you know, if I bought Jacobite in two thousand and two, it's now two thousand and twenty. Which, as I say, it seems, it seems a, lot, a long time ago. That it's only now that I've been able to, or last year that I was able to to build what I would envisaged, as you say, all those years ago, to give the the complete customer experience. And I don't, I don't think it should have been so difficult.
0: Really interesting what you're saying there about the Scottish culture not really. Not embracing success and i'm wondering if that gives us as, as scottish business women, additional challenges you know for coming from that culture so that that's really really interesting observation actually i'm i'm going to need to ponder that a bit a bit more myself so who who were your uh, your biggest supporters i i feel that we should take all the the help and support that we can and knowing where to where to get that support can be a challenge for for entrepreneurs, whether they call themselves that or not. So, who who have been your biggest supporters on your journey?
1: I think you have the. I guess there's there's partly staff, you know, the the, the people that you bring with you. I mean, I I took the manager out right, of Robson's that I work with, and and he came to to Jacobite with me. So I think you get a lot of support from the staff. I think you might find it quite interesting that my co-director, is my operations director, is female, and my finance director is female. So we have a, my marketing manager is female. We have a very strong um, female team. That actually, if if you went to gender balance, I think we're probably quite imbalanced, um, in, in the opposite in the opposite uh-huh. way. So I think staffing is is definitely one. I've used non-exec directors, and we had, or we have had Neil Reynoldson um, from who was uh, ex stagecoach Scotland was on our board for a number of years, and uh, currently it's Douglas Ewell who is ex director at HIE and Morrison Construction. So there are different people at different phases. I think of and and of the business and and the journey and then my sister and i are quite close she has an hotel in, in inverness and you know it was her who i was on holiday with and and uh, i guess gets credited with the idea of, of jacobite and um, prompting me to to make that phone call but i did read something the other day about the difference of of people who are have ideas and it was something like lots of people have ideas but it's the people that actually go ahead and do something with it um, and i think that's what i did with the idea of, of the cruises on loch ness as opposed to just
0: thinking it that you actually follow through with the idea very good message there that would that would be the message that us in action coach would be telling everyone it's all about taking action so yeah totally agree there so you've you've mentioned you know the the going from three hundred thousand to 6 million how how did you do that what how did you build and and scale scale things up obviously i guess that's before you got to the point of the visitor center
1: yeah i think um i think this is really difficult because i don't i don't think the growing was the difficult thing to the extent that it was we, we just bought more boats and more boats meant more people it was almost build it and they will come so so the more capacity we put on the lock the more we we filled so the actual growth in revenue wasn't the difficult thing i think the growing of the business from small to medium is the hardest part because you it's what functions do you need within that business and and, you know, my staff will tell you, absolutely, I am not a completer finisher. You know, whatever psychological analysis I undergo, I am not a completer finisher. You know, I, I, I'm probably bored and hand it to someone else. So I do remember, I mean, one of the first um, appointments I made was was to have a, a finance director. That To me, the, the managing of the money um, was key to where we were going and making sure that the systems, you know, behind that were very, very strong because we were a very large cash-based business that that needed to, to control that. And then you think, well, well, do you actually need HR? You know, as you get to 50, 60 employees, do you need HR or do you pull that in, you know, on a consultancy basis or should you have your own, you know, because we would recruit every year. Now, for the season but saying that we do have a lot of return people but you know students you maybe get them for three years and then they leave so so hr is 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 you know one of those uh-huh. subjects of people development you know there's, there's so much and um, that is not just about hiring and filing but you know about how you develop the team and and that sort of thing and then you know then it's marketing it's you know because we have to get people to to come to to loch ness and, and the highlands of scotland so it's you know what depart what are the crucial departments for you you know it's you know or it's marketing, is it sales, is it going out and getting that new business? You know, it's it's so that's I think that's a difficulty in growing. Growing itself wasn't the problem. It was it's managing the structure to allow you to you know, it's that, that's other, that another analogy is, you know, it's, it's like looking like the duck on top of the water, but you're actually pedalling like mad below. And that's often how it felt like because the structures in order to, to grow to the next stage, you know, weren't in place or, or how how do you evolve that structure? So, so that's a, another difficulty I think you have as, as you grow
0: so what would be your advice to to somebody that's that's doing doing that they're moving from from small to medium
1: um i'm not sure that i've got it right yet but i I think it is i do think the finances is is very very important because if you haven't got you know a firm grasp on that then then everything else it doesn't work but it is trying to make sure that you've got the structures in place that, that you're not built on sound, that you can keep continue to build and, and to grow the business as, as you move forward. But it it's it is just I think it is a very difficult balance and I think anyone who's who's done it will will know that it that it is. You you're not big enough to have that functionality, but you're bigger than small, that you need the expertise. So it, it's just and and within the business people know the business but taking consultants in from outside depends on the the relationship and the personalities that are there on how that would that that can work
0: yeah no that's great thank you i it's, it's a difficult difficult part that there and you know there are lots of people around to help people like myself mentors like you know people like yourself who's been through the been through that journey so yeah i would i would say to people to think about having a plan and get as much adv- advice advice as you can but yeah that's really really good
1: everyone is an individual and every business yeah. is, is an individual so you know it's sometimes you just got to try things and, and uh,
0: see if they work absolutely so as, as you know the, the the purpose of this this podcast is to make a difference to the balance of gender balance in entrepreneurship and i kind of feel that it's a it's a revolution that we've got to we've got to create here what do you think that we as as female business owners can do to to help others to to you know to to start and scale their businesses and so that we get into the point where we're as many women are, are doing that as men?
1: I absolutely think it's confidence. I think that's the biggest thing that, that women need to have because I don't think, and I never have in any way thought it's about ability. I think the ability is there. I think the, the drive, the determination, all the life skills that women have as they, they grow up and, and develop are, are very much part of the business makeup so i would say it's it's absolutely confidence and taking that you know feeling the fear you know and and uh, i actually love as you can tell you know little quotables and um you know one of them do something every day that that scares you and i think that's a good analogy as, as you move through through life you know um because you'll find that it's actually not as as uh, scary as as you think it is, but you know there is also the you know fail to plan and plan to fail. Um, there's no point in being blase about it either, and it's it's good to to have a plan. And I think there's there's a lot of women out there who are, are more than capable of of starting a business or you know, evolving a, a business that already exists. I don't think there's there's any doubt about the capability, I think just in the confidence, I think that's what we need to nurture.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you there. So in terms of yourself and what you're, actually we haven't mentioned yet actually, the accolades that you've been awarded for your achievements, I believe you have an MBE. Tell, tell us a bit about that. How what, what, what What's that like, getting the letter from the palace? Um, I have to admit it was a complete
1: shock, an absolute complete shock. And I was actually running out the door. I, I, I was heading down to Edinburgh for a meeting and I was catching the train and, and sort of saw this envelope come in with the, the stamp on it. And I thought, what on earth is that? I sort of opened it. I I can't believe that. So I just stuffed it back in the envelope and and, um, got down to the train. And then when I sort of calmed down, I sort of opened it again. But it was for the contribution to the uh, economy of the Highlands and Islands. And I think that was a really... that, That gave me a lot of satisfaction, I think, that we had been bringing people to the Highlands and Islands because they're coming to Loch Ness, they're staying in Loch Ness, and they're not just... Uh, you know, they're eating, they're, they're, they're shopping, um, and and that was kind of uh, where it came from. I'd also been instrumental in starting up a, a destination management organisation to get businesses to collaborate around Loch Ness. So, you know, that was very much part of it, that we're not, you know, you, you talk to Visit Scotland, we want people to come to Loch Ness and if they don't, if they go on a cruise with me one day and a cruise with somebody else another, it doesn't matter or if they, you know, it's just that we're, we're bringing them here and, and that was important that the businesses work together to do that and stop seeing themselves as in competition with each other, which I think can often happen that, that you know, you can help each other, you know, if, if if we're too busy and people go somewhere else, they're still coming to the Highlands of Scotland and, and uh, you know, developing the, the area. So it was also very nice to go. And um, it was Her Majesty the Queen at Holyrood, which I think was very special um, given her age. So uh, I do feel very honoured to have received it. Not quite sure why, but uh, yeah, delighted to receive that accolade.
0: Yes, fabulous. Congratulations. And so you, you touched there on what you're doing f- for your industry, um, you know, for tourism in in the in the Highlands and Islands, and in my research, I see that you're involved in in a number of organisations, and we kind of have to touch on it because it, it is currently December twenty twenty, and a lot has happened in uh, in the last nine months or so. You know, how important is is it to you to be to be given back and helping all the the other businesses in your industry, and what's it looking like? for the, the tourism and hospitality industry
1: um, at the moment? Well, I would have to say that tourism and hospitality, I think in some ways we've done well to highlight how badly we've been affected. I think that's, that's. I have had somebody say to me, it's all about tourism and hospitality, what about other industries? But I think across the board, there are some industries that are thriving, for example, around um, the Highlands here, house building, you know, just has has been uh, taking off. So the construction industry is doing really well, and then there's other businesses like tourism who have had to to shut up shop almost completely. So what we found is that the the boats we when our basically our um, customers. We have no, we've had no international customers all year, and then it came to the lockdown in in November of England and then the central belt, uh, we really, and now it's Aberdeen. So we struck up, started up in in July, had quite a good July and August within the social distancing limits and and nothing like what we would have had um, in a normal year. But I think the, and then we came to November and we're now running one day a week on a Saturday. And that's kind of a, psychological thing as well to say well look we're still opening with the boats and um, it is only one day a week it's a Saturday and if there's anyone coming here for you know a weekend or they want something to do with the kids that we are still open for them to do that but along with a lot of businesses I think um, at the beginning of March it was very much a, a question of a focusing on where we went and what we'd done and I think a lot of businesses had to do that you had to say right okay what do we need to spend on and what don't we need to spend on and I have to say from what was probably quite a fat company with regard to what we'd been spending money on we managed to sort of have a look I think I know every single transaction out of the bank account now what it's for and why we're doing it so I think that's the same I'm not sure if I'm really answering your question here Brenda but that's you know what we did and I think talking you know, we find this new way of, of operating with, with Zoom and even the phone calls from other people in the industry, how they were doing things, what they were learning, I think you kind of got to find out what people were were doing and, and if there was, you know, whatever grants were going or whatever. In, of any assistance that was available you know what people were accessing and how it was was helping their business but uh, a lot of people sort of said well you know it's really bad for for jacobite to um, have invested in a, a new uh, restaurant and visitor center um, last year and it's you know it hadn't even had a year's trading but actually it's it's been our saving grace because it is operating and we have the locals coming down. So whilst the boats are, are, are more or less decimated and, and, and just a, a one day a week tokenism, the, the locals have been coming down to the restaurant and, you know, meeting friends on a regular basis and, uh, you know, buying their, their Christmas presents as well. So that you know, even during, we, we started operating a carryout sort of around May time um, because we have quite a lot of outdoor area and at the end of the canal people were walking out from Inverness and cycling out from Inverness, using the, uh, you know, coming in and having a bacon roll and a cup of coffee uh, as a takeaway and sort of eating it or, or uh, sitting along the canal bank and, and, and having it there. So, you know, that was, and I would have to say that, that um, my operation manager was the one that said, look, we've got to do something, we can't just sit here and, and not do anything at all. So that was another woman sort of kicking my ass to get back down there and, and start working and that's what we did we started to serve teas and coffees the, there was five of us i called us the famous five we had the chef the finance director the ops director me and the marketing manager there was five of us started operating the coffee um, and that's how we we started back up again in, in May.
0: so yeah not not afraid to get hands-on even all these years later
1: yeah i mean i I think i always was a great believer that you shouldn't ask your staff to do anything that you couldn't do yourself so i have a boatmaster's license uh, so i can theoretically drive the boats and i have my bus license which goes back to my uh, i I took that at the age of 18 to be fair so there's there's not a lot now i'm not a great cook so i don't think i'll ever take the chef's place now but the rest of it um, uh, i'm quite happy to do
0: no, it's brilliant. I've I've loved hearing your your story, Frida. It's just yeah, fantastic. And although I'm sitting here looking out at very wet and miserable looking December morning, I'm really, really want to get up to Loch Ness and uh, support you and do do the cruise and have my lunch in the the visitor centre and have a look at your at your shops. And I think I, I want to encourage everyone to you know to support support our local businesses and i think lots of people are through through what we've been through in 2020 lots of people are supporting local businesses and local the local economies as much as they can and uh, yeah hopefully 2021 we'll see things returning to somewhat normal and hopefully the the you know your your industry is gonna bounce back from it and everybody will be uh, will be doing well very soon
1: indeed how have you found it then during during COVID, how's
0: it how's it affected you? Uh, it's it's I've, I've been I've been doing a bit of reflection. You know that this time of year you do you look back on the year that you've had and you know the the positivity and and excitement that I had at the beginning of twenty twenty new year new decade what's what's it going to bring? Didn't quite see. What was coming, and uh, but actually, my business has pivoted a bit. You know, doing a lot more online. So, yeah, doing doing a lot more online and changed kind of how I'm working. I'm thinking back. If it wasn't for Zoom, I don't know how my business would have survived. But we're doing doing great now. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a challenge, but it's really and uh, talking to a lot of other business owners, um, has really got them focused on. On what's really important, rather than a lot of the other stuff that we could have been doing that was keeping us busy but not not making a difference. I think there's there's been a lot that a lot of that happened over the year, but it's been interesting times. And let's yeah, I'm, I'm look I'm looking forward to twenty twenty one. I think we a lot of us building on the on the changes that we've made and. Yeah
1: I was just the only thing that I forgot to mention as well is that I joined Entrepreneurial Scotland a couple of years back. I, I thought it was kind of this exclusive club that that nobody could join and and again I can tell you about my fear walking into the room at Glen Eagles for the conference and not knowing anybody there. And I did what a lot of people did. I sort of took the phone out and pretended I was really busy on emails or messages or something. And then I looked up and he was another chap who was <laughs> doing exactly the same thing. And so I started to speak to him. And, and uh, I, I, I find the one thing that I was amazed about there was that I would say without doubt every single person in that room would be happy to help you. Um, Which was a really nice nice feeling and from that I joined the growth advantage program at Strathclyde University, which unfortunately Uh was cut short by by COVID and uh, we have tonight We're having beers with peers on zoom So we are still keeping in touch while we get the chance to to get back into to real life because we decided that very much part of the the cohort that are involved in the growth advantage program is that everyone's from a different sector um, and we felt that that a lot of it was about speaking to each other whilst we're learning it it still was about um, the interaction the personal interaction amongst us so we managed to keep that going on on the the beers with peers so I've got that um, to look forward to at half past five
0: tonight. Oh sounds lovely (laughs) that sounds great yeah and I, I think that that would be a, a really good uh, message to to end on is yeah to continue to do do what you do yeah talk to your peers and and get that get that support so anything else you would like to add Frida?
1: I, I suppose that i never mentioned and it's it is quite relevant to you as well that you because you did ask me about mentors previously and i talked about analytics, but i have used a business coach both for the business itself um on team building and it's a chap called um again donald mcnaughton at at zoned in performance so i used him both on a personal basis when there was tricky issues to deal with and also Uh um for team building to get the team he did quite a few exercises with the team where they they got to know you know how they could help each other so the, the screw the crew and the skippers He would say, like, you do an exercise, for example, that what one thing could the crew do to make the skippers' life easier? And what one thing could the skippers do to make the crew's life easier? So, you know, it was very much about, um, you know, working together and and, um, building up the the team so that we were all pulling in the the one direction and having awareness for the difficulties of of each other's roles.
0: Yeah, great. I I guess that, that fits into what we were saying about the building... Going from small to medium and having having the the processes and things in place and the the communication in place for between everybody that's that's involved, I suppose. So, yeah, really good. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Frida. I wish I had more time to talk to you longer. And next time I'm up in Way I will definitely be hopping on to a Jacobite cruise and uh, enjoying your 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 services there. Um, Make sure you let me know that you're coming. Oh, I will do. I will do. Yeah, we, we have a touring caravan and we, we quite like up that direction. So, yeah, we will. We'll, hopefully next year we'll get out in it a lot more than, than we did this year. So we well, yeah, look forward to look forward to coming up. Thanks for listening to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneurs show. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please join our Facebook community at Scale Her Up. Please connect with me, Brenda Hector, on social media and drop me a message to let me know you're enjoying the podcasts. Or even better, pop a wee review on iTunes. I'm gonna finish by reminding you, only one in three UK entrepreneurs are female and men are five times more likely to scale their business to over one million in turnover than women. If we started and scaled our businesses to the same extent as men, it would add 250 billion to the UK economy and provide millions of jobs. Ladies, you can do it and we're going to make a massive difference.